Sober Sex is a podcast focusing on conversations about what self-integrity, spirituality, and personal evolution look like for different people as we learn to be and accept ourselves sexually and intimately. I'm so happy to talk to you. Welcome to the show. I know. <laughs> it's, it's been so long, but it feels like we haven't skipped a beat, you know? Well, you know, I feel like the, you know, the, what is it? The language of the heart. We'll do that. Right. So how are you today? What's going on? So I, uh, I'm in, I'm at Miracosta College right now. Congratulations. This whiteboard I have, could write stuff on it. <laughs> it can be an audiovisual presentation. I put my Instagram. At even though it doesn't matter. Trash can. Just so Wait. you know that I have a wife. <laughs> Just my Instagram. So there's a whiteboard in this room. You know, I'm moving up in life. Like I it's said, very, near Coast College. Impressive. Right. <laughs> and uh, I just finished a critical thinking class. It's like the last English class, I think, before my master's start, like the master's program. Yo, I've still more to do with the bachelor's, but it's the last English class. And... It's like, it's not English. It's actually, in my opinion, a very intense sociology class, but it's a critical thinking English class. We're reading bell hooks extensively. My favorite. She's my absolute favorite in the world. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Um, And then, (laughs) have you heard of Parable of the Sower? No, tell me that. It's just, it's a book that's written... Like it's like a science fiction novel, but it's written about climate change. So, I mean, amongst other things, it's a very like Mad Max, Mad Max esque book, uh, written by a female author, Octavia Butler. Oh, sick! Um, African American. Uh, she was like, like I mean, the book came out in the nineties, but people are like wow, like this book literally is like exactly what's happening right now. So she knew about it. Yeah. She's like an Afrofuturist, right? Yeah. Awesome. Very awesome. I have to get more into Octavia Butler. So what are you getting your master's in or what's like, what's the the goal moving forward? Yeah. It's a sociology. And then in like, I mean, more geared towards uh, a lot of, um, groups that are like left out but mostly when it comes to like mental health so a lot of post-incarceration a lot of addiction a lot of like homelessness but then in like like pertaining to like mental health and like where the lack of resources are for these groups and then at the same time looking at the groups of like you have a problem that can be cured rather than like having anything to do with mental health you know what i'm saying so like this is like like, this is a social fabric issue not a personal mental health problem like right yeah yeah that it's a it's a result of a broken system not so much like a personal defect right like there's this one guy who's helping like the most destitutely homeless people with mental health where like um today like prime example i'm driving to school and this bus this guy wakes up out of a bed and he stands up and he puts his hand up for the bus and they fly by him. 
and I stopped my car and I get out and I said, what are you doing? You know what I mean? That person was like trying to get on your bus, you know? And like, she's like, I already know what he does. And I'm like, fuck, this is the worst. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it just, all, it was like all those things like that. And, uh, and then seeing the places too, when I started, uh, volunteering with him. So like some of the places that would, um, let us park the shower trailer in their facilities, churches and things. Um, how they interacted with people like being like, you should, you're so lucky we're doing this for you. You know what I mean? Like when someone's yeah, like, yeah, as opposed side- to like seeing them as people like right. equals like humans. If I was like, you give me a size, like 40 pants and the person's like, Hey, these are like 40 pants. I wear 32. Um, can I trade them? Be grateful what for what you got like take your shoelace and tie it and i'm just like i would be uh when we first started doing it i there was a place that we did it which is called bread of life which is an umbrella now the san diego rescue mission and um you know they were really trying to do the best they could and uh with the tools that they were given to interact and like how they were taught to interact and that's why i'm so behind humanity showers and things i do is because the system is completely broken. Um, it might have worked at one time, but the approach that needs to be taken now isn't the approach that needed to be needs to be take needed to be taken sixty years ago with like what people knew about how the world is. You know what I mean? Like, so I just I would go volunteer at this place to be the representation of humanity while our shower trailer was offering showers at a place who wasn't in my opinion, you know, the represent representation of humanity. I don't think they tried to be. They were there to be a representation of religion. Um, yeah. and that was their main point. And, and, uh, but our shower trailers, anyone could shower. So it's like, even if they tell people, no, you can't shower here. You don't have a car. This is, I'm like, no, you could shower in the shower trailer. Um, you might not be able to use their clothes, but I have, I have towels and yes, you're allowed to shower in this trailer, you know, like, that's awesome. And it was a, it's it's been like a, it's, we've kind of like, kind of like taken this, not that we like try to battle with with the, the SD rescue mission, and the LA rescue mission, but what seems to happen is that the places where we place the shower trailer, sometimes are in a place that's making millions of dollars or like more, like some of these come, you know. The rescue mission's like billions of dollars. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, like we partnered with Feed the Streets and we are outside of the LA rescue mission. So we have a six stall shower trailer and we're feeding people. And Danny, Ukrainian Danny, Danny. still, yeah, I love Danny. He was a huge reason too. I got into this. Um, I just would watch him and be like, this guy's amazing. Everything he does is beautiful. And like I want to like mimic that and I want my life to look like that. And he's huge. Like me and him collab on a lot of things. I, I talk to him like all the time, but uh, like we would end up being outside. So we're like outside and we're feeding and passing out socks and all this stuff. And, and my hopes is that when the news covers it or any of the things that cover it or everyone's there with their phones and like doing this is that people realize like, wow, like this company is taking in like millions of dollars in um 
donations. Donations. And sometimes yeah, monthly. Doing like, a lot of fundraising. Yeah. And then all these grants that they're getting, tax deduction, and, uh, you know, your big, there's the huge influx too of like, you know, I've, I've heard in their, in their meetings, they're like, Hey, this is our, you know, like right now is, is December. This is where we make everything that we need to operate for the whole year. Like, talk, you know, talking about their fundraising and stuff. And, and, uh, I mean, I was also one of the people who walked through there to eat when I was homeless on Skid Row. And it was like, you go in and then you're hungry and they're like, you have to sit through an hour of church and then we'll feed you. And it's like, damn, like, all right. I remember doing it and I'm like, this is just the worst, but, and I have to be really hungry and there has to be no one around passing out food and I'll, uh, I'll go sit in that church. You know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like during COVID and everything was locked down. Cause that was another thing. Like when we were doing the showers, we were out the whole time. Uh, during lockdown and a lot of people are like dude there's like nothing like we can't get food there's nobody passing out like you know a dollar here water yeah because there's no pedestrians and also i think that like everyone was afraid of coming into contact with anybody at that time and it seemed like la specifically like i guess new york also but like bigger cities had crazy spikes in like there's a you know there's a real estate crisis in terms of like developing and the way that rent is structured it's just insane so like lack of housing plus lack of of kind of direct connection with people it's like you're fucked if you don't have a home it's like heartbreaking i mean even more than usual like so how do you like how do you want to kind of use your masters in in uh uh sociology <laughs> i want to keep wanting to say socialization i'm like that's not it right. <laughs> in sociology to to kind of affect this because it seems like you're like really drawn to this work i mean not even yeah. work but like vocation you know yeah it's uh so i mean um i've come to realize you know that i i, I think anyone that's like us or like you have this artistic vision or like you're, you're like something could be better. I, I don't know if you're one of those people you're like, that's really good, but it could be better. It could be better. It could be better. It could be better. Um, and uh, so you're like, I want to make like everything I touch. I want to turn into gold. That's how I am. And I see something and I'm like, this could be gold. Like what I perceive as gold, but um, like I, you know, I really see, uh, Humanity showers for Jordan, like for his vision, becoming a uh, facility um, and becoming like a next San Diego rescue mission or L.A. rescue mission. But like without of, the strings attached, kind of. Right. Just like kind of to replace that. Um, and then and that's what I want to see for him. And I want to help him cultivate that vision because I, I know that's something he expressed in any way that I can, you know, with the, the limited time now that I have to do school. But um, I started working at a vantage point and we help people oh, with disabilities. Yeah, we started, we help people with disabilities get into the workplace. And um, I feel like that's kind of like uh, the next step. So it's like, you know, you get, you get, sober off the streets like how are you going to be like self-sufficient and um 
and a lot of people a lot of companies are willing right now to hire anyone it just seems like it's weird because you're like oh the economy is crashing yet there's so many companies that are like hiring and that need people need people i need people now and they're still like some of them are trying to pick from the creme de la creme it's like this old school thing of you're like uh turn in your resume and you have to be the best like just turn in this resume that says you went to this college and this, and I'm going to make you a lead server. And you're like, what? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Like yeah, you're going to be the head buster. And it's like, holy shit. Like you're so, that's so skewed. Like doesn't make sense to me. You know, I guess it makes sense to the companies. But so like with Vantage Point, we have, we get people with disabilities, we get them in the workplace. Um, all and you're the way focusing from- specifically on like formerly homeless and addicted populations. So originally it wasn't, um, it was just people with disabilities that had open cases with the department of rehabilitation. So a lot of my clients range from like uh, severe vision impairments to, uh, extreme anxiety, everything in between. I, I, to me, like, uh, you know, the vision, so you'll actually go to a lot of places and there's no people hired there with vision impairment. So legally blind all the way to like, you don't see color. Like, it's almost like they're like, like right out, kick it off the table. So like, um, we get, we get those people hired at places. Sometimes it'll be the first person they ever hired with a vision impairment. So we have to also, as their job coach, when, when we come with them on site, do some sort of like, it's like a lot of like consulting to the company. Cause they're like. Like we don't know what it's gonna look yeah, like to hire this person, yeah. but we're willing to do it. You know, and we're willing to take this chance. And and I always tell companies, I'm like, uh, especially if there's like an owner or high up management, I'm like, my what I say to them is like, do you ever find yourself doing these mundane tasks that take you hours to do, and it takes you away from like running the company, or uh, to be doing something that just could be like way more useful of your time and what are those things you know so I'll like go through with a person then I get the list of what those things are and then I you know I brainstorm in my head I break the list down and I'm like what could my client do how could they do it what would it look like if they're doing this and it's spider webs out into the circles and this and it turns in a big paper it looks like a science experiment and um then I approach the client and I'm like hey these are some ideas and usually too, like, they're just like, you way overthought this. Yes, I can grab a six inch circle and I can tell the difference between a nine inch circle and I could put them into boxes. You know what I mean? So like, I like really like I've gotten better at maybe just like, cause I hate, I hate coming to one of my clients and being like, Hey, these are their jobs that you're going to do. And in their head, the first thing is I can't do this. I quit right now. You know what I mean? So I yeah. always try to have like the um ideas you know associated with the job present it to them we go back we work i stay with them on site and then potentially you know just like uh you know with aa you're like you help someone and then they're helping the next person and it's spider webs one of my clients who we like who who like loves to be actively showcased on our instagram and uh <laughs> Like so he, he's been on the news and stuff. His name, he goes by uh, blind guy, Chris. And uh, he, 
he was like, you know, one of the most intensive, uh, like education based. Like I had to learn all these things for him. And it took me about six months of on-site coaching to get him acclimated to working at Legoland, being the first blind person that works there, now opening the door, paving the way for other people with like severe vision impairment to work there. And uh, yeah, so then that happened. I helped all the other clients. Now um, I have no degree or anything. Everything I'm doing is based off lived experience, you know, and that's, it's still kind of like frowned upon. They're like, how are you going to have this person at this? And now my position is getting higher advantage point, higher. And, you know, like, I don't really think the owner of Vantage Point ever said anything to me about, like, you shouldn't be here. Um, a lot of people are like, why? Like, what education do you have to do this? She's never said this to me. But I was like, you know what? Like, there's a lot of things I think that uh, going back to school could open my eyes to these, like, social problems. And being in these uh, classes with younger kids could help me, like, stay up to date. And I could learn from them. So I decided that the best thing for me to do, um, even if it was for, like, the social currency that I would obtain from coming to college, would be to go back to college and really start learning about the demographic that I'm trying to help out. And then um, one of my friends who is formerly formerly incarcerated, he's in this metal band. Um, They used to be, I mean, they're they're fairly big. They actually did a full US tour and like, you know, sold out like 2000. uh, Damn. Yeah, 2000 to 3,500 places. And then they'd headline some tours in Europe, like 70,000. I think it was capacity tours. It's called oh, Asley yeah. Dying. They're, they were of course. really, really, yeah. So Tim Lambesis had gotten in, you know, he was became incarcerated. Um, he had a big court case. Um, he came out. We've been friends since I was little kids. And he was like, you know, I want to do something to give back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to give back. Like, he just, what he saw happen in the prisons and um, some of the people he met and their stories. And just like that, uh, the, you know, there's there's like a huge stigma attached to people. Like, they're like, uh, these people who did something bad should spend the rest of their lives paying for it. They should never be let back into society. You know, this is like real shit. I actually, it, it never happened to me, so I didn't think it was so severe of a judgment, you know? Because you were briefly incarcerated, but not necessarily oh in the prison system. You went to jail? I didn't go to prison, but I, I have a strike. I went, you know what I mean? Like, I did just get my last thing that I, my last altercation was 16 with half in a split sentence because they have this new thing called AB 109, which is the worst. It, like, keeps people living in the county jails doing their prison sentences, and the county jails are not equipped to house people like that. They're more of a transferred dorm-esque yeah. kind of yeah, situation. So we started a subdivision of Vantage Point, and it's called Reintegration. We were literally, we started it, and we were, he opened a room in his house and, like, let someone, like, move in. And they were, like, our first client. 
and we like did our meetings like in his recording studio and uh we just like hit the ground running with it and started helping people so with vantage point you could either privately pay for the services or if you sign up for the dor the services are completely free reintegration has a little bit of a different approach so we we would suggest you to sign up with the dor because then we can service you like out of this world, but we will not turn you away if you have no funding. So if uh, you come to reintegration, then UR is you, Department of Rehabilitation. Huh? What's DOR stand for? Oh yeah, Department of Rehabilitation. So That's Vantage it. Point has <laughs> no. uh, Yeah. Vantage Point has we are a vendor of the Department of Rehabilitation and they just extended our contract for three years. We're actually Congratulations. able to Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's like you, it's it's crazy to watch our little team and how much of a huge dent we make in San Diego. But now we're able to open anywhere in California. And uh, so we have an office in downtown San Diego. We have an office in Carlsbad. And now we just opened our North Hollywood office, which has been going like four or five months. It's at a, a facility that Chris Collins started. Rest in peace. Awesome. Um, NoHo Recovery. And uh, yeah, so reintegration actually is the curriculum that went in to NoHo Recovery. Yeah, I see it. I see you. Like, you're so stoked about it, and it's yeah. beautiful. Like, it's really inspiring to to hear how excited you are about, like, what this is. Because I do think, like, obviously, it's a service that's so deeply necessary and that, like, I don't – it doesn't seem like a lot of people are providing on the on the level that you guys are. Yeah, and, and that's – I mean, so uh, the Department of Rehabilitation offering the service that we offer has a 1% success rate of placing someone in the job place. We're a li- I mean, we're at about an 80% success rate now Holy in the last shit. three years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's wow. very effective. Michelle is the most powerful, driven, caring human being I've ever met. So Michelle's the listening to this, yeah, CEO Michelle of Jodoc, Vantage Point. The founder. Um, another one of those people like Jordan. I heard about what's going on. I saw a little bit about it. And I'm like, I have to go in there and know if this person's real. And and me and Michelle, I think like so and this is my fucked upness. Like Chelsea's blonde haired, green eyes, Michelle, blonde hair, blue eyes, and I make this judgment upon looking at someone like that. That uh, you know, I'm like why like why are you doing this what's the ulterior motive and then watching her for like two years nonstop, shadowing her everything i mean she takes on like 96 clients at a time in a caseload every one of these clients is like no one's ever just listened to me you know let alone like i mean they'll always tell me like oh i've sat in an office with people at the gr and like they've sat there while i talked but after I tell Michelle something, she completely knows. She has a game plan. She's taught me how to like make that game plan. So where, uh, like obviously anyone who knows me knows I love to stand in a room and talk. You know what I mean? But then it was like you? how to execute. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> execute what I'm like telling you about. So that's what I always feel that was left out with me, and um. You know, even in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, is a lot of people could uh, 
they would tell me all about the great things that were happening in their lives. Um, maybe even do the steps with them, but they, I couldn't grasp what was going on. And I don't think anyone, it was really able to like, uh, break it down to me. Really? I just, what changed for you? Like, how um, did you kind of make the jump? So like, with me, when I did the fourth step this last time, uh, I really, so I had, there's this like preconceived notion, in my opinion, from doing the fourth step. You're like, I don't want to tell someone all my deepest, darkest secrets. I don't want to tell, like, you're going to judge me, blah, all this stuff. Um, this last time when I did it, uh, you know, my sponsor was like, I don't need, like, like you can tell, I, you know me too, like, I'll tell you everything, you know what I mean? So for me, the deepest, darkest secrets is not a problem. I'll literally tell you every fucked up thing I've ever done in my life. I don't care. And, uh, but what I was missing was seeing the patterns in how I was interacting with people and being able to, like, point them out and recognize them and then, like, you know, equip myself them, yeah. with that information where and then after I was then able to discern whether or not to do those things. And then even, you know, as I got more sober being like, okay, um, like this also no longer serves me. And then not actually having to, you know, do the four step, fifth step, six step. And then by the time that I'm uh, at my ninth step, like, you know, making amends, like I always thought I'm supposed to be this healed person. You know what I mean? So this time, really, when it was like, when I'm looking at those patterns, I was like, I, I swear, like, this is the craziest thing, but I, I, time froze. I thought that, like, I could see the numbers of the matrix running down. Like, it just, like, I, I remember the first time after it just made sense to me going to work. And I was, I was working still on Melrose at this time with Cosmo. And I'm telling someone this, like, elaborate story about, like, this something happened but i remember that the dumbest part was then i was talking about this made-up coffee and i always remember it because um i stopped and i tell this lady i don't know why i just said that but i'm lying right now and i don't even That's need huge. to lie about this coffee that isn't real that i'm telling you about and like I walked away. I like, I remember too, cause I'm like telling this story and I'm like doing the sales and I'm like doing what I do. I'm styling this lady, wrapping the bell, telling her this made up fucking story. I tell her that. And I just like walked out of the store and like walked down the street. And I was like, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't have to do that anymore. And then I didn't have to like compound these lies on lies and remember that I told this person this lie or this. And the next day when I was late to work, I was like, I'm late to work because I slept a little too long and I should have got up behind the before the half an hour or the half an hour before this bus to know I'm on time. And I didn't. But that's not going to happen again. You know what I mean? And, and, and I really when I started to realize those things, I always just thought of like, oh, that's what Brandon does. And and why should I change it? Like, that's who I am hard to realize like oh shit that's like not who i am and that's not the that's person that i ever wanted to be and it just you it like you broke the code <laughs> yeah 
I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, like when I did the, I was like, when I do the four step two, I was like, I, I hacked the matrix. Like I, like when I share about it, I'm always like, that's what happened. <laughs> that's fucking beautiful. That's, I mean, that's I mean, pretty much. To pivot a little bit, like you mentioned that you recently got engaged and congratulations. And because we, you know, we talk about sober sex. Right. Um, can you tell us a little bit of your love story and like what made you decide that like now is the time to ask somebody to marry you and kind of like a little bit of your like romantic present? Yeah. So uh, this is a crazy, I mean, me and Chelsea's thing is really crazy. So um, when I first moved, out of LA, I moved to San Diego. Are like you from 12, San Diego 13. originally? Yeah. I moved on this street. No, I'm from LA. No. And then right. I moved to San okay, Diego. Okay, so you to moved to down high there. School, like junior right. high and high school. My dad was like, it's better. And he got a job there. And um, and uh, I moved to this house on 1010 San Andrade. And uh, like these girls would play down the street. And this girl comes around with brown hair, green eyes on her longboard. And it was Chelsea. And I was like, holy shit, like I'm in love with this girl. And then it was just like all these ways. Like, I, I cause like I, I saw her when I was that young. And I was like, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to lose my virginity to her. Like, we're going to be together forever. We're going to have kids. And, um, and, she didn't want to be with me and it, it completely devastated me. I, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back in my, uh, fucked up childhood and this. And, and I was like, wait, this person that I made up this fake story about that's going to happen. And, and I've always been able to like, uh, manipulate things to, to like go my way. <laughs> yeah. More, more manipulation. You know what I mean? Now I feel like I manifest more than I manipulate when I was younger and all the way up till five years ago, I was just manipulating, you know, and I, and I'll do whatever it takes to make you see it my way. And it has to only be seen that way, but she didn't want to be with me. It ruined me. I started, you know what I mean? I, that's kind of around the time, um, dashboard confessional released his album. And I sat there and I listened to it on repeat as I got more and more depressed over this situation and I remember this one day I was so depressed over it. And I used to be straight edge because I was like hardcore metal, um, straight edge kid. And it's still very young. So it's like within that 16, 17 year old, but like punk, then the hardcore, and then a straight edge hardcore. Then that happened, dashboard professional. My friends come to pick me up that day. Um, I, I was crying in the back of their car. And they were like, we just got cocaine. Whoa. And this will make you feel <laughs> like, so much I'm a better. straight edge. Oh, yeah. baby. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so long story short, fast forward, I get loaded, lose my mind. Me and Chelsea stay in contact always throughout everything. Um, I used to do this crazy shit where like, so I used to own this vape store in Glendale on Brandon Maple. And uh, I would turn the camera on. And I thought everyone was going to come in or they were going to kill me or whatever. And I'd sit there and I'd get high. I'd always think, oh, this is my last shot. I'm going to do this last shot on live. Everyone is watching it. People start to really, and this is like, oh, wait, no, this is kind of like after I met you. And, and yeah, when this I met is you, like you relapsed 
it's in I don't I don't know when we the, we, we were hanging out in like 2010, right? Yeah, and that was my that was like the worst. I mean, that relapse was just so bad, and that's when people really started to detach. Um, I remember actually the only person who would still talk to me from the program because I was so like out of it was Marty, rest in peace. You know, yes. Marty always checked in on me. Sometimes would get me food and I would tell him the crazy yeah. things and I'd say- I just I listened need- to your episode with Annie Hardy and, and it was really nice to hear about Marty. Yeah, I'd because I would tell Marty, you know, I need, I'd be like, Marty, I need legal advice. There's literally a helicopter outside. There's a hundred police outside. You know what I mean? And he's like, man, that sounds like, yeah, you should probably get some, some legal help. I'm like, all right, well, I need you because I don't have money. I need you to represent me. Like, I'm going to go to jail. You got to bail me out. And blah, and none of that was, I mean, it was weird. It was happening. It wasn't happening to that extent. And, uh, and but Chelsea, I guess, like, you know, knowing now would just, she like watched it all and she would watch it. And she was like, wow, what the fuck? And every once in a while I'd call her while I'm loaded. I'd be like, can I borrow 20 bucks? And I remember one time she, she did, she like Western union me like $20. It was just like so stupid. And then, Eventually, um, I got this thing, and uh, Liz Himmelstein, who did the Pirates of the Caribbean, was like, I'm going to throw this party for my daughter, and uh, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban are going to be there, and we want to style everyone makeup and hair. So then, and now I'm- Are you sober at this point? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Fast forward to getting sober. (laughs) That that opportunity arises. Yeah, I know. It jumps around a little. But the opportunity arises, and uh, I just I knew Chelsea was an amazing hairstylist and that she had gone to, like, this makeup course recently, too. And, uh, and it's crazy because, like, uh, she was married at the time, and I was like, like, obviously that thought has always been there. It's been this fantasy that I had since I was, like, 13. But, Amazing. you know, um, it's not like what the purpose was. I said, can you come do this event? And uh, she'd been watching everything, you know, and the sobriety thing just came out of nowhere when I got so Like, I guess I didn't, like, do a good job at being like, hey, this is the sober Brandon now, and I'm not the high one. But instead, I would just be posting, like, my inspirational thoughts like my thoughts would be running and I'd like type it down on Facebook. So like nobody knew that I was sober and I just forgot to mention it. I didn't think to. And just like these <laughs> thoughts. It's not like you were like having a manic episode, like just, yeah, it just fully seemed... going for it, but it's on, pink, on, a, on a pink cloud in reality. Right. And it seemed very much like when I was high doing the same thing, except for everything that I would post was like, this is the worst day of my life. This is the end. And I'd write it weird. You know what I mean? Like roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> I recall the this era, yes. is blood. And that's my day. Like it, it, everything was like all high on meth with like the heroine, Elliot Smith. Yeah. So the, uh, the opposite of this was just like these inspirational things and thoughts that I had. And, and then start, I start kind of like, typing of what my life's gonna look like and how it's going and uh but she was like stoked because she's like this isn't bad you know but then she gets the call of like hey i'm doing this thing like 
you're going to get to do hair and makeup on Nicole Kidman and this, and it's the lady from Pirates. Of the- and it's crazy because, like, I was still crazy. You know what I mean? And she's like, this isn't real. And it it never – it's, like, still to this day, everything that happens doesn't seem real. Um, but, I mean, it was real, and I was like – I was really pushing out. She's like, I want to do this, but I can't. Like, she's like, I have a family and this, and it has to be real. Like, can you guarantee me, like, what, you know? And I was like – telling the lady can you talk to the hair it was a mess long story short i tried to get <laughs> another really hair yeah i tried to get another hairstylist and makeup artist we were like at a deadline this event's about to happen it's really going down they're really going to be there you know uh, i guess it was the gift like nicole kidman to her goddaughter and there are no hairstylists and makeup artists like the biggest component of this so then she's like well whatever happened to the event i was like i hired someone else she's like well i want to do it if it's real, I want to do it. I said, all right, I'm firing the other, you know, like, I'm not going to be another person. You have to show up Saturday. If it doesn't, this is the first thing that, like, I've been a- been granted in my sobriety to, to oversee, and you'll fuck me over big time. And it was, like, the crazy, because it was, like, you know, I, I know in her life, too, because I know what it's like, the kids, a family, a business, all these things. And, you know, at the drop of the hat to, to change the plans, divert and go. Yeah. It was like crazy because she just shows up like five minutes before the people walk in. Like she starts setting up her thing and and then it happens. So, you know, the whole party walks in. They close down the store. Then, you know, like, hey, we need to open the back door. Boom. Keith Urban walks in. Nicole Kidman walks in. And she's like fuck like damn like wow look at you you know and i was like yeah that's a pretty right? impressive it's amazing. Like, and call <laughs> so then we start working on we start working on projects together and uh it's just like then like that like we're you know we're just like that tension's there and like i'm not that same like like overweight like punk kid with like uh you know i used to wear like baby blue dickies or bright red and yellow with like you know a rancid shirt like it just it didn't fit the narrative of like your san diego like if i was in la yeah like i made sense in la it wasn't that weird but to move to like encinitas this white like i was just the like the worst you know like people they loved me because i was funny and i was willing to do anything to make you laugh but i was definitely not seen as like oh this is like a smart good looking like this guy's a fool but he's funny you know what i mean like we definitely want to keep around compared to like now you walked into like me on melrose i'm an adult um and i was like sober sober and like actually in really good shape at the time too and at this fucking cool place with cool ass clothes so i'm wearing like i remember that night too i'm wearing this like uh one of our leather jackets that has all the Indian beads on it with the fucking wing that's flailing down. I had the like black, (laughs) yeah, got the black hat on and it's like, damn, like it just like, I know like, you know, just from talking to Chelsea like that, just like, wow, like what the fuck? That's not the guy that I remember or ever knew. And uh, I really started to like hone in on, uh 
like being able to like now be motivational in a way that made sense while telling a story. It's it's actually something too that I really had to, to even hone in on more. It's like one of my big flaws, I guess, when uh, doing marketing and stuff is I, I post all this stuff and then, but I'm not telling the story in order. So that's like in my last English class, uh, lots of time spent in, in this room, actually, in tutoring, trying to like learn how to tell the story and not to just like um, type out my thoughts at, at a certain point if that makes sense like i have these racing yeah thoughts. of course yeah and then just to add this one thing and um then me and chelsea we we ended up uh okay so i was working production um it was camp flogna um i had a uh, just i was I, I was at i was working for uh Kid Cut, so Kid Cuddy and Kanye West were performing. It was called Kid See Ghost. Um, uh, two weeks prior to it, and I don't know if this is why. Some this is what some people told me is uh, Kanye was on a Takashi um, music video, and someone shot at the video like with a gun. So mm-hmm. when Kid See Ghost played, they played in a huge box, and it was like bulletproof plexiglass. And then it had a truss structure that it was built on, and then the staging, and then plexiglass. And uh, so him being him, he's like, I want the bottom wrapped in black felt. I don't want people to see the, um, I don't want people to see the like wires and stuff. No, no, no the the truss structure. I want it okay, to be yeah. seamless looking, like just the black cover the trash and they're like dude no one has that and it's like three in the morning and this is when he makes his like executive decision to change something and uh so then they're just like you know stand by we're all standing out there it's like freezing cold like already been like way over time on this thing and and uh chelsea had come to la and i was supposed to hang out with her and it didn't happen because that and then the show is the next night yeah so the show or that it would have been Cause we were there three in the morning. So that night the show's happening and um, someone gave me like an extra like production pass to give to her. And so I let her into the show. She got to see kids go kids. He goes, I was like doing production shit. Then we're supposed to hang out. Same thing that night gets, uh, Oh yeah. Cause Kanye set up um, pyrotechnics on his stage without getting it approved by the city. And it burnt down the firewall. And it was this huge thing. They were going to stop the whole show. But one of my friends, who's like the stage manager, is like, if you stop him from playing, you're going to have a riot. Um, right now, this video wall is going to burn. And it's going to be millions and millions of dollars for him to pay. But if you stop, this whole place is just going to riot. So, boom, they let the show go. The fucking video wall is burning. We're all standing there going like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, we're not going get to get to go home tonight. And so she goes to the thing and I don't go home. And then eventually I do. And this is how Malachi, the baby was conceived. That Aww. show that show was like, <laughs> Blame on Kanye. A, right. That show was on 11, 11. So in that time frame, um, Yeah. And 
So you just like wooed her over time also through like kind of incredible production feats. But like, so she was married and, and then she got out of the marriage and, and, and now you guys have a baby together and you just got engaged. This is incredible. Right, yeah. No, that I, I mean, the, it's so fucking like, uh, yeah. Cause like my life, dude, it just got like, I used to, I'm look in retrospect and I just did this actually yesterday. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on here. Like, what is my, what has my life been like? like? It's weird. Cause you're like, I haven't really done anything in my head too. I'm like, I haven't really done anything. Like, what would I talk about? And, um, I was like, but I know I've done a lot of things, but I was like, what have I, you know, like it's been so long in between. And I started looking through my Instagram every day of what my life was like. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is fucking amazing. Like, yeah, I, like, it's do like something a crazy every movie. day. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then too, I was like, cause I go all the way back and I was like, when I was like, kind of left golden voice and started working for, for Vox and doing freelance. And I was like, damn, I did this fucking Fortnite thing. Holy shit. Remember I worked for, with Jared Leto on his camp Mars and this. And then I was thinking about it too, of like for me and you and like a lot of our friends, um, that's just like your it's a regular thing. We we meet up and we're like, I worked for this guy and this and this. And then to like step back now and not be in LA and be in uh San Diego here in Oceanside right right now. I always hang out in Oceanside and Vista. Nobody ha people have the experience that we have every day, or like our friends group and some of our friends, people have that experience once a year and they save up the whole year to have that one experience. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if once a year, that's also kind of like a baller move at once a year, you know, it's, right. it is truly insane. Like the level of kind of and privilege it just and like, access. And then I thought about it too. And like you said, like the, the woo, uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that period of like the courting period too. So you're like, I live in San Diego and, and you know, um, this is not like no me like I love um, Chelsea's ex husband. I think he's an amazing dad. You know what I mean? And and it it's like you know it's just life happens and and people like it's I think it's very easily too for two people who are um, maybe even in love to like drift apart because I know in the even in this last three years how much work that we also have to put in our relationship. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. To make sure that, that we're both good. It's a lot of work. Um, me and Chelsea are very like, she's about, so we are about to go to Italy, but I have so much things going on that I can't go on the trip. And it was like a free trip. And it's like, I'm like, fuck, I really want to go. But, uh, and then also to be like, you know, initially I'm like, I wanted to go, this is sex, but then not to be like supportive, like to take that mentality of like, poor me, I can't go. And to just be completely supportive of her going. And, and I, it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? Like um, we ran into, so like initially it's like we, we start meet and everything's fiery and passion and sex and crazy. And, and we're, you know, like, you know, crazy sex and sweaty sex and sex in the back of cars and just like that kind of like our our it was like that intense passion, like every and she she lived here and I and we had to put work into like 
it was way it was a lot of seeing each other because i'm doing production and i'm somewhere different she's running a salon she's educating uh she's going to these hair events and and it was just a lot of work like like one time we met up we both met up and we went to new york together and then another time i she was in india and i flew to thailand and then we hung out in thailand so in the beginning it was like it was like any lengths like, yeah it was a like those were our meetups and that shit is amazing and it was magical and like i said you know like the sex was like phenomenal like it was and and it was really all geared around that like uh like heavily like heavy intimacy but that not seeing the person and like longing to like be with them and to like have that you know you you want it's like it's weird because like you want to like sit down and talk but you're like sitting across from each other and you're like i remember chelsea used to be like too she'd be like ask me how i'm doing or you know what I mean? but like at the <laughs> same time like at the same time the hunger for you is too great <laughs> right and like yeah and it was and for both of us too so then you move in now i go Especially from as being, parents yeah i go from being the guy this guy this production guy i've never been in a relationship never like i've been high with the girl who's there and she's high but it's not i always was like hey you know we're like not a thing you know it, like it was that but i was like like i have to be able to spread my wings if need be you know and and i've always been like that so then to go into this like all right um the initial shock in our relationship was she has three kids and going into that and uh you know uh i i i always look at it like how i was with my father's significant others and um i love my father um i he was the the to me this is like the most amazing human being and i wanted all the time i wanted it always to be with me so i like walked into that knowing that like um they were that the kids were very attached to both parents and that i didn't want to um be re, you know or looked at as like a replacement to the father and i just i was very mindful too of the kids and it was really um hard for uh chelsea to understand you know what i mean like and a lot of it just was me it was like me because i'm like this is how i felt when this happened and i don't want them to feel like this you know and it's uh it's really hard to to like I like I love the like I love the kids. One of the what still to this day one of the kids is kind of like resentful towards me and uh pro, you know she's told me like I hate you and but we really get along me and 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 Genesis and, and I see a lot of the person I was in her and we have like good conversations and she um really likes to do art and I can tell that there's the pushback from her peers um cuz she brings it a lot like well She's like, I want to do art, but like, I want to do something that's going to make me money. And this is a new thing to her. She just went into like middle school. And, um, I, you know, I see that, like, I was like, that's, uh, a lot of people always tried to, um, influence the way I think as pertaining to like how, you know, what you're putting your money into, how much does that equate to financially, you know? And I've always been like, well, 
if I put my time into like a minimum wage job and it's when I was little too, and I was like, I make $8 an hour compared to like, I was in this hardcore band and I thought it was amazing. And I was like, well, I would give everything 40 hours a week to just play the one show every Friday or Saturday. So like, why should I even do that? I should only just be trying to play shows or like putting out records or, or making, you know, garments like, I could work. I remember I worked at this job, Cask and Cleaver. And I like get. I'd save up all this money and spend it all on making these T-shirts that I used to make, called Breathe, and no one would buy them at first. And I still felt completely satisfied, you know. So yeah. the the work itself being fulfilling, as opposed to like having a job to do the fulfilling work. Right. So I, you know, it's like now. I, so now it went from this like amazing relationship to like, I'm seeing myself in the kids. I'm starting to like feel what they're feeling and it took a huge strain on the relationship in the beginning and then COVID happened too so at first the strain was there yet we're both going to do our work and we you know it's like you kind of just like you don't deal with the problem you're like well I have work and like I'll be back I have work and I'll be back and and COVID made us really sit down and like start to look at the problem and that now the problem has uh evolved into like like you're the problem like me thinking you're the problem and her thinking I'm the problem and um I felt fairly equipped with the tools to um discern what was happening there and I have my program and Chelsea's not in the program and then it was really hard for me. So like I go to two, I go to these, you know, usually during COVID I did the two men stags every week. Then I'd log into like random zoom meeting, but these two men stags I had now these guys know everything about me and I could come in on a Tuesday and share about it. And then we did it on Saturday and I could kind of be like, all right, these are the results from the input, you know, the input you guys gave me through your shares. Like, okay, it's, you know, it's getting a little better, all the way to like the one suggestion that was made in the meeting, which was to go to couples counseling that That's I was sick. like, we love a therapy. <laughs> well, see at first I'm like, I was like, well, you know, you guys need that. It like, <laughs> you know, like this is still You're new. in love. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this is still new and it's fresh. You guys have been, you know, with your partners for a long time. You need couples therapy. I didn't recognize that. Like that as much prayer and as much meditation and as much sharing that I did. And, and while I'm like, I'm able to see my part in this and admit to it that there was no healing that was going on for my partner. And yeah. That, um, and it's not about like, I often, I think that one of the issues with the 12 steps, it's like, it's like, how can I kind of, it can be super self-centered, you know, even in yeah. our efforts to get out of self, because it's not necessarily about like communicating. Like that's another program. You right. Know? Yes. Okay. Boom. So here, this is where, now that was the thing. So now, uh, one of, one of the guys in my men's meeting shares this one. And this one I decided to go, he shares about it one day and he says, man, like, you know, what I've come to realize through doing the steps and being sober as long as I've been sober is that feelings aren't facts and I'm able to like identify a feeling and know that that's not like real 
but I'm stuck here. And I was like, what? wait, what does that mean? So the meeting ends because he, he put it into his share. So after the meeting, I'm like, okay, well, can you elaborate on what you were saying during the meeting? That's where I am. So like, what do we do? And he's like, so now where you're at, Brandon, and where I felt, you know, that I feel you've been at and without <laughs> saying, to, yeah, he was like, without saying to you, he's like, I want to share in a general way. But yeah, I was actually just talking directly to you. He's like, you're going to have to learn how to like feel these feelings. So um, he's like, it's awesome that you, you, you feel mad, fear, anger, you know, that's, that's your ego. And then you deflect and go to the gym, you meditate, but like, you know, you're not really dealing with the feeling and you're not knowing. I was like, you get to have that release to it and you, you get to like shut yourself off to it. But like your partner is still feeling these feelings and they're valid and all that stuff, you know? And then I was like, all right, I got like, I'm going to go to couples counseling. So what I find now is I find this cop, this couples counseling that utilizes the got Gottman's method. I don't know if you've heard of this. Of, of no, tell me about it. So it's very, um, like, dude, if you've done the steps, this is great, but it's not good for if you have, I mean, it's not ideal for someone who's trying to get in touch with their feelings. It's very goal oriented. It's like, if you do these steps and practice them, these will be your results. And then it's like, you, you get paperwork on what to do. Now it still does not help the person. I actually think, you know, so it was really beneficial for me. And I'm going in and I'm doing the things and I'm coming back. I'm like, I did all this. And yeah, this fight de-escalated. And, uh, and yes, this is working for me so good. Our relationship's getting so much better. It was for me. I was actually, I was, he equipped me with more tools to like solidify the fact that I am right in every situation. Oh, and fight. No. <laughs> yeah. And I had, and, and, you know, since I had done the four step and I'm able to see my part now, it's all on this person to like admit their Apologize fault to me for their part <laughs> and work yeah. through all their things and every, you know what I mean? And Chelsea hated it and I didn't get it. And then, <laughs> then we go, she's like, fuck you. Right. I see that you've done the work and I don't care. <laughs> so then we go to another one. She's like, we're switching to this one. We did yours. It's not helping me. I mean, it, it's, de it's like, I, I now had even better tools to deescalate fights and, um, that kind of like, yeah, just like making me better and like on paper too. Now I look way better. Like if you were to write out everything yeah. and walking away from To be like, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but not and, uh, actually like hear them, you know, just to like tell them that you hear them. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and yeah, just, it was ridiculous. And we got a lot of good stuff from it too now with coupled with this. So we go to this counselor and she's very- This is the like, new one. The new one, this lady. And she's like- yoga e there's crystals in there and it's like i'm already like this is not this is fake here we go what is she gonna align our chakras right now like come on so i sit in the things like for like and this is expensive like i know you know account like we're paying like we don't have insurance to pay for this stuff so this is like another thing that I, it's like this learning process but so we're sitting in there and now she's talking about feelings and she's like stopping us and she's like okay like now that she just said that. How does that make you feel, Brandon? And I'm like, like that she says she loves me. Like I feel loved. You know, I'm like really like, like the kids in my freaking uh, class at the recovery center. Like, you know, 
And uh, I'm being a just total. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm being like a total piece of shit. And then the third week, we just like we have this breakthrough, and it's just kind of like it, she did that same thing, and she's like, and uh, it it, it kind of broke through to me too. Um, you know, we she said like I need you guys to like you know come up with a, with like what you really really love about each other. And then I want you to say it to each other. And we, like, go through it. And then, um, like, Chelsea tells me one thing. And then the lady's like – and I'm like – so, like, Chelsea's telling me something. I'm going like this. Like, I'm going like – so, if you're not – since people can't see the video, I'm, like, facing the lady. And when she's telling me, I'm looking over to the right of her. And she's telling me what she says. And then the lady's saying, and how does that make you feel? And then I'm turning back to her and i'm saying this and then she says i want you to turn back and tell chelsea so now i'd look from her to the right to chelsea and i tell her and i started to realize like like dude this is fucked up do i always do this and uh and and it was like a real metaphor too of like how i was interacting and especially with all the tools that i had of like going through the motion and saying what i know that i should say and i'm not feeling it and i'm not and I don't understand that the fear I have and I don't understand that the PTSD that I have from um, being homeless and, and drug addicted and never really having my home is all playing into how I interact with Chelsea and that I'm, I'm making her pay for it, even though it's not her fault. And it just starts it starts clicking in there. And then she's and then, you know, what I mean, um, like then. So like now I'm like, oh, fuck, like. I get this. I need to be like present you know and i need to like actually like really i need to like understand what i'm feeling and i need to like separate the feelings that i have that have nothing to do with chelsea and 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 give her the feelings that i have like towards her and i you know and i sat down that day and um i i did i like i got so like you know i you sit on the couch kind of facing forward and i like turn to her like put my leg up and like now I'm like facing her, like sitting on the couch sideways. And it was like so important too that like like the body language and everything and like the intention of being like Chelsea, like you are an amazing human being that like supports me and and you're and you're like you're you're really good at work. I admire what you do at work. I love all the things that you've you've done to change my life and make him a better person. I truly appreciate and I love you and and I like, I don't know why, you know, and I, I still have this hard time. It is weird because, like, I, like I said, those kids in my class and in Russian Danny, the work they do is beautiful. I could tell them, but it's really hard to, uh, you know, like to give that to her. And so now, you know, I have to, I have to figure out too. Like now that I am now armed with the facts that these feelings that I have for someone that are really hard for me to, for, for some reason, look at them and, and express to them, I need to figure out all the ways that I can express this to that person in all the different ways I possibly can. And then what that looks like, finding out what uh, the things that make Chelsea feel loved, like understanding why. So like, you know, uh, like one of the things too is like, this is this. My dad was huge on this too. It's like Chelsea works very hard. She's like a hundred percent the breadwinner of the family now. Like especially with the you know production step happening, um, she's like gone above and beyond to like really make sure that we have this beautiful life that the kids do too. And um, you know she takes a lot 
on her plate. And there's like these really like simple things that I could do that could uh, really show her that I care and appreciate her. And, and, and it's like, like I said, with doing the four step, um, armed with the facts, I'm able to like better myself as a human being. Um, and it wasn't, it's not overnight and it, and it doesn't, and it's not that I have to tackle all those things, you know, tomorrow because I've been armed with the facts. I've asked God to remove the defects of character. So the same thing, it's like, I'm armed with the facts that I got to rely on this higher power and I got to turn to him and be like, God, please let me be that person. Please give me the strength. Please help me be that person that, that, that knows that this is that one thing that can make her feel better. So I go do it. So things like Chelsea likes the flowers. She likes me to drop in and just like, let's go to dinner, um, making sure that we have the date nights, you know what I mean? Um, making sure that like, Cause I go to the gym every single day. So like, Hey, um, you know, you can, there's days that you could rest and, and, uh, like with sex. So it's like, it's so crazy too that like our lives are this big. So it's like, you have to kind of like, I have to look at my schedule (laughs) and be like, all right, this is a good night to have sex. So like either I go to the gym at this time and take a nap and then she gets home at this time, put the kids to bed. And then, you know, that's the night we do it. Um, the same thing with like, like uh, dinners together or dates or like we are big this big thing recently is like um we go we like really like watching live comedy like i've never been into that um and i realized too that uh when we go and we're like you're like in this live comedy and this is like big so it's like i look for these like these um, i look for these like energy exchange opportunities where these like where there's like like big energy exchange in rooms and, and um, like, like this laughter, like this room of people laughing. And and for a second, it's just like, you forget that there's anything going on and we're able to like at the comedy store here in La Jolla, it's like really like this nice little dark candle. And it's like, we're like laughing and like, boom, it's like, we see that same, like, Oh yeah. Like this is why we're like a hundred percent like in love with each other and there for each other like connecting actively because i think that it's so easy as you said like in a long-term relationship to kind of forget that stuff as life gets big so it sounds like you're really like conscious of the connection that you're making the next thing i want to add into is uh i i I don't know if this is for other couples or if anyone's ever heard this it's just like i've recently been thinking about this is like when you have sex with your partner in the same bed all the time it loses it's like luster like that's like a big thing I, it, it's I've, I've thought about it for years like when we moved in and i was like we need to start like having sex in other beds or hotels and i was actually thinking of like i was like we should just like rent a room at the motel six across the street you know what I mean? like it just like i don't know for me uh like i do like i'm big i'm i've never been like this, but i'm big on routine so like like, I'm like, you know, the lights go out, uh, you know, you're about to kind of fall asleep, then I go for it, and I do it the same way, then it's got to go this way, then this way, and that's not, like, that's not how I am, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I've become to, like, be, I've become to rely on my routines, because my routines make me feel good, and I don't like, yeah. you know, being spontaneous <laughs> as sober, much, but I there think, are like, the times that's what feels like, safe and that's what feels like, you kind know, of like healthy she wants because when we're be, not sober yeah. it can be so like yeah kind of out of control 
but it's not sexy. <laughs> so it's like all adding on. I think you're hey. cut out. Uh oh. I was saying that it's not like the the same kind of safety and, and security and, and like feeling of of like rhythm with the routine that we get in sobriety because it feels good, like as you were saying, can cause some rigidity that's not necessarily like sexy or romantic. It like Right. It makes it hard to kind of feel spontaneous and like connected, you know, just feels like and now, like now, we fucking this way, or now we just like read our book and go to bed. You know, it can be right. very, very, uh, yeah, uh, kind of uptight. It's super crazy too with kid, like with kids, and I'm sure like anyone with kids, you're just like, but I don't know, I, you know, because you know how like you're, like when you are two adults and there's kids, you're like, oh my god, like they're gonna hear this, and I'm like, yeah, but you do, like I heard, you know what I mean? Like I heard it when I was little. But I know it's like a weird, you know, I was like, is this damaging the kids? We're screaming. At well, the and also, yeah, to see each other as like, you know, partners as opposed to like mommy and daddy, because I think those can also be two different, you know, to be two different roles. Right. Right. But it's like you like, how do we kind of take take the parental part out of it? I, mean, I don't know. I'm not a parent yet. Um, so I like as, as much as I'm delighting in this conversation, um, we're going to wind down and I just wanted to ask you, like, uh, speaking of kids, you know, now being a dad, like what has that experience been like in sobriety? Oh my God. I mean that it's so, it, 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 it's like. It's amazing. It's the most beautiful fucking thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, it's the interesting thing about it too is like, um, you know, I joke. You know, I joke a lot about my ego. I mean, I I crack a lot of jokes at Malachi's expense. I always kind of like use him as like, like I fucking loved doing production work. I love it the most. And then this guy came. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> I had my whole life planned and. And, you know, you have, yeah, like, I joke in my groups about it. I'm like, but I have to go home with this guy. But, like, there's nothing else that I'd want to do ever in the world than, you know, I, I just love being around him. And, and like, um, I love being around all the kids. Like, they, they speak my language more than, you know, any, any other people do. Um, like, it's really cool to talk about my creative ideas with the kids and, and, uh, and then, like, they're behind it and they're, they're never, like you never tell a kid a creative idea and they're like, Oh no, this is why you can't do that. Or like this costs that they're just like, yeah, like this. And then you do this. And then like, we should like get a unicorn or, you know, and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what we should do. And like, they just speak my language. Um, and it, but it's just really something to like, uh, like have this baby who like relies on you. And it's like, you know, you kind of like they they cry and you feel it when they cry. Um, like you take your kids somewhere and another kid's mean to them and it, you just like really, you like internalize, like you can see a little kid like hit your kid and like, you're like, I want to smash that kid in the ground. You know what I mean? But like you really <laughs> internalize. Children. <laughs> yeah. It's like you really internalize all these feelings for this other human being. And, and it's really, it's just like, it's like, it's, it's hard to understand at first. You're like, how do I fucking like love this person so much? Like, I can't wait to see him. It's insane too to like anyone who has kids, like you're, you come home and your dad, your kid's like, daddy, like runs and jumps and hugs you. And you're just like, 
like fuck like there's nothing better than this feeling like there's nothing like this is amazing like this this person loves me so much like they can't wait to see me it's 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 crazy you know what I mean? It's that's so beautiful. I mean, especially like yeah. having known you for some time, it, albeit for the last like decade from a, a distance. Like to hear you talk about what it's like to be a dad is really beautiful. Like it's so so evident how much you love Malachi. Yeah, mm. it's it's and it's all like I love like the the craziest thing too, Louisa. Though is like, uh, to never have a family, to never like to for me, you know, what I mean, to never go home and feel safe to never have that feeling like once in your life you really start to have this like deep sense of love and you cultivate this like they like you know like sense of belonging and and oneness and and like family and the idea of like what family starts to mean like change you see yourself too becoming that person that you have no fucking clue what you're doing to raise this kid, but you just don't want to do what you're, and like you can read all the things and watch all the YouTubes, but like nothing prepares you for as the things start to unfold and, and like how you have to pivot in this and that. Um, there's like, no, I, there's, I, I read a lot of books and I watched a lot, a lot, a lot of YouTubes and clips and this about being a dad and the baby and blah. And it's just like, it goes out the window. Cause like, you know, you just make these split decision, like, uh, or make these split second decisions on how to do this now or this and like to cultivate that like family and, and then to, to now really be able on a deeper sense to like forgive my mother and my father and then to have a deeper love for them now understanding like what it must have been like to try and raise me, you know, and, and just be a lot. It, it was very healing for everything, like every single part of my life. So I feel like a lot of people when they're like, uh, like, damn, like that boy is so good for him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think maybe without people realizing like how much it, it, it just heals you on in all aspects, you know, where something happens with a kid and, and you could see yourself being like, I should just I should knock him right off the bed. Um, but having the tools to be like, no, it's not OK for me to hit someone. And, and now too being educated more as like like throughout our whole country like no you can't just punch a kid in the face you know like uh and then to come up with like alternate solutions to do that but you see in there you see for a split second you're like damn that thought crossed my mind and damn my mom did that to me she was not equipped to make any other decision than to act on impulse and before this program changed me and if i would have had malachi five years ago i'd be acting on directly the same impulse that i had and i would have done the same thing and, and knocked this kid off the bed because he did this thing i mean the work that you put in i think over the last five years like you have had an entire psychic change like that that much is very evident and like right. you know the idea that the it's like it could be very different but instead because of that work and because of kind of like the the maintenance that you do on a daily basis within your relationships and within like, you know, your spiritual life that like you do have options and you do have tools and therefore you do have this like ultimate healing experience of fatherhood, which is like such a fucking trip to hear about. Cause it's like, it's so rad, like knowing you as a fucking like psycho punk, right. <laughs> like, and, and to see thus before us, it's this fucking like stellar dad who's like helping people and really excited about being alive and like, 
that's it's so it's really it's really something brandon it's really really good to catch up um for sure before we jump into the lightning round like hold hold the compliment (laughs) before we jump into the lightning round is there anything that you want to plug or any message that you want to give listeners i mean yeah it like check out humanity showers it's uh on instagram at humanity showers website humanityshowers.org um you can also like on instagram find us at use vantage point um and we have the website usevantagepoint.com um also too noho recovery i've I've come into that place and I, i really feel like at home there and if you're looking for like alternative solutions for people battling a lot of different kind of addictions and different levels they're definitely a really good alternative solution to like what you've seen as like regular rehabs that uh, provide relapse prevention classes 10 times a day which i don't know how helpful that is you know it helps some people um so if people are looking for an alternative to that they're really cool to check out and then yeah like my podcast it's new like 10 episodes deep um i just you know i mean i just want to do it and i was like i don't know what where it's going yet or anything but it's uh i'm still working on the audio and all that stuff it's a work in progress so that's uh at trash can talk podcast and trash can talk podcast.com and last but not least my passion project too of young gods um it's a clothing line i did am doing we've done some really awesome collaborations and there's some new collaborations uh with a new photographer coming out on i've done a couple uh, photographer collaborations with clothing but it's at young gods mfg and young gods mfg.com fucking rad i love like i love how you direct your energy into like 19 different things and they're all dope (laughs) (laughs) yeah. <laughs> that's looking awesome um so quickly the lightning round don't think too hard uh we're just going to go into it what's the best book you've read or series that you've watched recently um the best i mean the best book i read is junkie i, I still read all the time um series the only so i don't watch tv but i watch it's all bad like a series the podcast so I, it's the awesome. only thing you'll get me to like sit down and listen or watch Fantastic. Well, we we will plug It's All Bad with as aforementioned Ukrainian Danny, uh, Keith Wager and company. It's it's a good time. Uh, awesome. Um, I know you put in hours at the gym. What is your favorite and least favorite exercise? It's so weird. This is it's the same thing. It's squats. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's my favorite, and I hate it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what turns you on creatively, intellectually, spiritually, or sexually? Like, take that as you want. What turns you on? Um, I mean, just people that create and, like, cultivate a uh, a place or an idea where other people can, can, can cultivate their ideas and feel seen and heard. And those are just, like, the only people that I attract to now, you know, besides maybe, like, newcomers. But then I feel like those they are that you know yeah totally that's fucking beautiful um if you're having a tough day what's your go-to tool to turn it around sauna meditation if there is no sauna then it's meditation if if i can if i go to the gym sit in the sauna i put on alan watts listen i think it's like 16 minutes 
Um, if you look on Apple iTunes, it's like in his top two like featured playlists. That's my go-to, and that's probably been for like the last eight months. Fucking awesome. Alan Watts is a really good trip if you're not on it. Check it out. Um, yeah. And finally, what do you love? Um, I love I love my family and and it's it's all like every single one, you know, like all of them now. It's it's pretty amazing too to like um like I had such extreme hate towards certain people like in my family and to to turn it around. It's like I really I love and enjoy my family and it's not ever something that I thought that would be. Um I just it's you know like I said, you grow up in that place where you never feel safe. And then to have that alternative, like, cultivation of family and, and, and a safe place. And and that's that's what I love. That's really fucking evident. And it's really, it's beautiful to, to bear witness to. So thank you so much for being on Sober Sex today, Brandon. It's really, it's really, really good to see you so well. I'm so happy to, to reconnect.